This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. All right, well, welcome back then to session four of Bringing Order to Chaos. Tonight we are on lesson four, the necessity of God's order triumphing over chaos. And so we spent the last few weeks, um, the first week was introduction, and we kind of looked at how Christ came proclaiming the kingdom. He said, look, if I cast out demons, uh, or if, if Satan casts out Satan, you know, you can't have a house divided against itself. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom is already among you. And so he came proclaiming the kingdom, introducing it. How do we get into it? Repent and believe, and you become part of a kingdom that is not from this world, that is not of this world. And so we, we looked at that. And then we, for a couple of sessions, so this is actually, I think I said lesson four, but are we on one, two, three? This is lesson four, yeah. All right, uh, the next one we looked at was how God uh, created order. And we looked at these principles of order. And so whatever you look at, when you want an objective measure, we, again, remember, we don't want to, to say that something is ordered simply by our own tastes, right? And we, we think about, you know, some children have a taste for order, lining up their cars or whatever, uh, and other people, uh, you know, they like their bedrooms messy and they obviously hate order. That's not it. We can't come at it with a subjective view of what order is. If we are trying to fulfill the mission of God by bringing order to chaos, we have to say, what is that? And we have these seven principles of order that, that we see in the creation account. And really it's fascinating when you step back and you look at the Bible, when you look at uh, things that we would say these are ordered things, then you can find those principles of order in them. Then, not only did God create order, remember it came from outside, you have the, the Babylonian myths of creation where all, you know, chaos is kind of fighting itself to see who emerges. God came from outside of anything, created everything. There was never a battle for, you know, there was never a battle between God and chaos and he had to fight to win, but rather he spoke and everything listened. That's the God we serve. That is the God of order. He created it. And then last week we went back and we looked at God's mandate for order. So we looked at how from the very beginning, right, we see the mandate of order, or the dominion mandate. Our job as mankind is to take dominion of this earth, not for ourselves, not so that we can feel good, but because God created man in his own image, and we were made to be the rulers and priests of this world. In between, we were to subdue everything on earth for the glory of God. Now, tonight we hop into lesson four, and if you, I don't know if you have your first notes, and, and you don't have to look back, but because I'm going to be gone uh, for, oh, am I gone next Wednesday? No, not next Wednesday, but there's two Wednesdays in a row I'll be gone, and so we're going to have to really start squishing things. So I, I took what were supposed to be lesson four and five, and we're squishing them into one. So... Tonight we're tracing the order of chaos, or excuse me, we're tracing the, um, the flow or the theme of chaos through the Bible. And then we're also looking at how God is glorified through order. I promise we're going to fit it all in. I think I'm excited about tonight. I don't think I'm excited. I am excited about tonight, and I think it will be a help to us. Because from here on out, we're going to kind of pick up some traction. We've looked, we've laid a lot of foundation and I know it hasn't maybe seemed very missions-oriented yet, but we're kind of gearing up for it. We've got to lay that foundation, and then all of a sudden this pinnacle is going to happen, and we're going to see how we can begin to fulfill our, our God-given mission of bringing order. So we have a little bit more to go, but we're going to pick up some steam. So everybody, let's open up to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, we're going to read verses 1 through 15. And tonight, this is what I like to do back in Chuuk. Fun tidbit. So we have, we're Grace International Baptist Church. We have a lot of different languages that come to the English 
service, and then the night, the Wednesday night service, we do it in English so that the most amount of people can come and get something out of it. So every Wednesday when we would read the Bible for the text that evening, for the last couple of months, uh, I had everybody bringing their, their Bibles from their own mother tongue. And as we would read the Bible, you could just hear this cacophony of languages. Every verse was a different language sometimes, and it was just really cool. And so I don't think, well, we have Spanish, and I could read it in Chukis, but I don't have that Bible. And I, what, what is, do you speak both Tagalog and something else? What's your other? Lucano, okay, Lucano, okay. We have a lot of Bisaya in our church, and so, uh, so we have a lot of that. But tonight, we're going to take turns reading. Brother Canfield, if I could start with you, if you are uncomfortable reading, don't want to, just say skip or something like that. We're going to work our way back that way, all the way to verse 15. I'm sorry? Sorry, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, and we're reading to verse 15. So just one verse at a time, and... If you're not comfortable with it, just say skip. <laughs> now the serpent was more subtle than any other beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the We'll go to the back and work our way up front. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. <coughs> Uncle Brian, you want to read? Or? Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is that that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Amen. All right. That is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible right there. Because that is verse of victory right there, man. All right. So let's go ahead and dig into our notes. First, we're going to look at the lesson objective tonight. Okay, What I want us to be able to walk away with is now we've defined, and we've kind of looked at principles of order. We're also going to define it tonight. But I want us to be able to define chaos in a biblical way, right? Just not, not bad politics we don't like or something like that. But I want it to be from a biblical perspective, what does chaos mean? I want us to be able to trace chaos throughout the scriptures, and I want us to understand that God is glorified through overriding chaos with his divine order, right? Uh, God's not intimidated by chaos, but yet he chooses to use little clay people uh, to fix it, which is pretty amazing to me. And so he overrides it, he, he, and we're going to talk about stuff like that in a little while. The key thought, right? So I do two different things, right? Lesson objective, this is the broad theme. If you kind of have like a thought that you can walk away with, that's, you know, hopefully you get more than one thought, but if not, this is the one. To defeat our enemy, 
We must know our enemy. We must understand chaos and recognize its power so that we understand how to defeat it. It's easy, and we talked about this in the first, uh, the first class, very easy to become angry at chaos. It's very easy to become angry at all the bad things around us that we see and to kind of yell at it and just get into this rage of, oh, I hate that, but that, that doesn't help us. We need to figure out how do, we, how do we come at this with a biblical perspective? What does chaos even really mean? And how do I bring God's order to it? How do we defeat chaos? Now, so number one, let's hop into the order, excuse me, the origin of chaos. The origin of chaos. The first thing, and this, you know, as I was kind of meditating through some of these things, uh, remember as well, I told you that, that everything I'm teaching, I've studied and I believe, but I'm kind of, it's a working not well yeah working theory working hypothesis so i'm working through some of these thoughts as well so um the first thing that kind of hit me I, I look around and we have to realize god created good chaos right so that man could fulfill his purpose and reflect the image of god remember tohu vavohu right in genesis 1 1 and 2 it talks about how there is this watery chaotic void that God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void. It was tohu vavohu. It was just chaotic water. God made that and then God created everything and left some things undomesticated so that he could be glorified and man could fulfill his purpose. There would be nothing to subdue if if he had just created everything in perfect order. Here's an example. Lauren, we talked about this, uh, so I'm just putting a plug in for my favorite series here. Uh, C.S. Lewis has an amazing series, an amazing trilogy. It's, uh, it's not as well known uh, as the Chronicles of Narnia and, and, and you know, the screw tape letters and things. It's called the Space Trilogy. Some of the deepest theology that I've ever read is in that fiction. It's amazing and it's awesome. You can't put them down. Anyway, um, and, well, never mind. So in the first book, right, it's called Out of the Silent Planet. It sounds weird, but it's a really cool book, and it really has some neat, neat theology about God in it. The main character, Ransom, gets to the, this other planet, and there are three different types of, of people, of species, of, of sentient beings that live there. But the thing about this planet is that it is unfallen. They, they live under the divine order of God, and they have never fallen into sin. So this is, in essence, it's, it's a picture of what it, sh it could have been. Perfect harmony, perfect unity. But Ransom gets close to this body of water, and all of a sudden this shark-like, really crazy creature pops out, of, out at him called a Nakra. And this Nakra tries to kill Ransom, but he's on a perfect planet. So he teams up, there's this, there's this group of, of people that are trying, and they are going out to kill the Nakra. And the lesson behind it, what, what they talk about, is that even that chaos is good, because it points to what could be, and it gives them a purpose of overcoming something. So God, what, what I'm trying to get at is that God created good chaos, uh, and that was in the very beginning, right? That was what we were supposed to do is subdue, take care of the animals, make sure that this garden is cultivated and it spreads, spread out among the earth and subdue it. So we have that. We have God created good chaos. But then, and we all, we know this, I just want us to remember the diamond illustration. A lot of what we talk about tonight, we already know, but I want us to turn that diamond in perspective and see it through the perspective of order versus chaos, not just something that we already kind of know. And so Satan rebels against God in time past. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by these, you know, Genesis leaves us, it gives us a lot of detail, but it leaves us wondering a whole lot of things sometimes. Like, man, when did that happen? How did that happen? In Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15, 
Uh, and then in uh, Revelation 12, 7 through 10, and for sake of time we won't go there at the moment, but it's there. Check what I'm saying. We see a couple of accounts of the fall of Satan. Uh, Satan says, I will, I will, I will. He is cast out of heaven. I saw Satan falling as lightning, right? And so Satan, in sometime in the past, rebelled against God. Then, what we see in our text tonight, Genesis 3, rebellion is brought to earth and embraced. Rebellion is brought to earth and embraced. We see this in verses 3 through 6. Excuse me. Chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them were both opened, or both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. In this moment of conscious decision, Adam and Eve lashed out and rebelled. Maybe it was just, you know, maybe, in, we don't know all their thought process, but we see how it's working. But in this moment, rebellion is brought to earth and it's embraced. They say, I, I want that. Now, why does this happen? Rebellion, first of all, started with doubting God's goodness. Rebellion started with doubting God's goodness. Satan asks that oh-so-familiar question, did God really say that? And yes, he's doubting his word, but really, I think the deeper thing is, you know, like, wouldn't God want you? Every good gift, every perfect gift is from him. Wouldn't you want something good? And they begin to think that rather than God giving them every tree of the garden, except one, they begin to think, well, what did God withhold from me? And so, rebellion started because of God's goodness. Now, how do we take this and we find this in chaos today, in rebellion today? Well, you know, I'm all, not often asked a question, but I've heard this a few times. How could a good God send people to hell? Wouldn't he be withholding goodness there? Well, well hold on. Isn't, uh, isn't love love no matter what? No matter who it's between, isn't love just love? Wouldn't God be withholding his goodness if he didn't bless all love? Or maybe we get that subtle thought that God hasn't given me enough. And in all of these, and these are just some examples, what are some more ways that we see people doubting God's goodness today? Right. That's good. Yeah. Bigger wars throughout the plague. People get all the tragedies going right. on there around the world. Right. Exactly. Why would God, why would a good, loving God do that? What is he withholding from us? When we lost our four-month-old granddaughter, mm. uh, it's been 11 years now. Mm. And that was the, that's what triggered to stop my sister to start looking. Because mm. my sister came to the funeral. Mm. And, uh, about uh, 10 months later, she said, Mikey, she called me up and said, uh, when I walked into this Bible study, the Lord Jesus was in there waiting for me. <laughs> but that, what that family is going through up by now, though, the loss of a baby, and I don't like mm. to talk about that very much, that, that, that upsets a lot of people. Yeah. They yep. lost a baby. Yeah. So. And it's, it is. It's easy to look around at chaos and begin to doubt God's goodness, and that is a root of chaos is people say, I want more than what God has offered, rather than fully partaking. I mean, we don't know how long Adam and Eve were in the garden, but man, think of everything they could have partaken of, and then said, well, I've got all this amazing stuff, why would I want something that God withheld from me? It must be something that I don't need. I've got bananas and passion fruit and mangoes and just the juiciest apples and pomegranates and lychee, and I've got all these things. 
they could have partaken in. But they doubted God's goodness. So then, obviously, rebellion usurped God's authority. Right? Psalm 2, 1 through 3. Why did the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth are gathered together and uh, they count, take counsel together, saying, uh, saying um, let us break their bands asunder and cast their cords aside from us. Right? That's this idea, is they want to usurp God's authority. So how do we see this in chaos today? How do we see this creating chaos today? Well, I would really venture to say, and not even I'm not even trying to be political, but most modern governments are seeking to usurp the authority of God. I don't really know of too many truly, I don't know of any, God-fearing governments at this moment. Maybe there is somewhere, but I, I don't know of it. Uh, we see this in educational systems, right? Which, when they are usurping the authority of God, chaos, five years later, ten years later, tw we're seeing this now from the 60s, right? Now, chaos is rampant. Why? Not because it started yesterday, but because it started years ago when they began to usurp the authority of God. We see this in universities. And I could ask, and I think we would all have answers, but what are other ways that we see people, or people, institutions, usurping the authority of God. I think it's rather obvious. Now, then we see that rebellion then reversed God's order. Rebellion reversed God's order. It was Eve that was tempted and that led Adam into temptation. Okay. And we'll talk about this more in a minute, but look, like, reversing the order of God. God said, you can have everything but this, and they say, we want this and forget everything else. And so, we look at this, and look, we, we look around, what, what is reversing God's order today that's causing chaos? I would say, and I'm not, hear me out before you get your hackles up, but I would say third wave feminism, man, where it's like, you know, forget forget everything else over here, uh, and it's not just that we need equality, but it's that men can be like women and women can be like men. It doesn't work. It creates chaos. Obviously, the, the homosexual or the LGBTQIA plus agenda, we'll talk about that later, more, you know, how do we take and bring order to that? Well, it's not through yelling at people and saying, that's wrong, you're, yeah. but we bring order to it. But that's uh, reversing the order of God. Weak men are reversing, the, men are supposed to be strong. And yet, when men become weak and passive, we have chaos. We have balloons floating over the continental United States. Told you I would work it in there somehow. All right. All right, number two. We look at the lineage of chaos. Now, again, I did not, I, I did not put all of the references on these, okay, um, for a couple of reasons. One, everybody in here that I know is a mature Christian, and so you, you know these stories. Two, uh, you can look them up if you really need to, but I think we all kind of know. So, All right, so we see the lineage of chaos. We can't spend a lot of time here, and obviously this does not hit everything. But I want us, again, we're turning the diamond, we're looking through that lens from Genesis to Revelation. What's this chaos order theme that we see in the Bible? Well, it begins then after Adam and Eve. It begins, you see Cain and Abel. I mean, this is, this is like, I mean, Cain could be named chaos and Abel could be named order. And Cain rises up against the order of God, do sacrifices this way, and chaos ensues. And so what happens after that? Well, in the line of uh, Cain, we have Lamech. Lamech's the guy, he's the first one that we read that's got two wives. He sings a poem, he says a poem, and he says, Ha! There was a man that wounded me and I slayed him for it. And then he brags about having to his two wives and he brags about uh, all of the powerful thing. And, and if God would avenge Cain, then he'll avenge me sevenfold. That is the song of Lamech. Chaos ensues. Lamech was an evil man. So then, shortly afterwards, then we see that the sons of God are the daughters of men. Right? There's a whole lot of commentary, a whole lot of speculation as to what this is. My 
educated guess, and uh, you know, I, I won't die on this hill, but my educated guess, I believe that these were at least, at the least, um, uh, we see angels called this at certain points, I believe these were demonic beings, or at least demonically possessed people, uh, that went and, and uh, procreated with, with women. And so we see this and chaos. Then really, I mean, now we've got we've got giants in the earth. We've got all of these things that are happening. And now it gets to this point where every thought of man was only evil continually. Can you? We're not there yet, folks. Like it's bad, but it's not every thought of every man, except for Noah and a couple of other people, are only evil. I mean, we've got more people in here tonight than was in the entire world thinking correctly before the flood. That's insane to me. Chaos was just ensuing. And then afterwards, we have Babel. We have the chaos of rebellion and the chaos of judgment that happens after that. And so over and over, we see, you see this pattern. I should have, like, tried to draw it out or something. But you see this pattern of God bringing order, right? And then, boom, Satan attacks it, and there's chaos. And God builds order back up, and boom, Satan attacks it, and there's chaos again. So we see that with Babel. We see this with Abraham, Hagar, Sarai, and Ishmael. Abraham, I want you to trust me. I'll trust you, Lord. You're going to have a son. Okay, sounds a little hard. Uh, yeah, it'll happen, I promise. Okay, it will. Let me go sleep over here with, with uh, my, my new wife, right? And now chaos has ensued. We have this with Israel in Egypt and the Exodus. There is chaos. We see that the judges, right? Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Well, how'd that work out for them? Chaos. We have the golden age of David and Solomon. Now I say that because the rule and reign of David and Solomon, they were amazing. But that's as, really, honestly, that's as good as it ever got. That was, that was the high point right there. And David's still running away from Absalom, and David's still brokenhearted over these things, and Solomon is sleeping with 300, concub or 300 wives and 700 concubines. And like the, but that was the best man had to offer. And then we have the division in the kings, which obviously everything just breaks down after that. We have the captivity. That was chaotic. Then we have the intertestamental period. I don't know if I spelled that right. My spell kept, check, kept checking it, and I tried to fix it. I, so if it's wrong, you can laugh at me later. That's okay. Um, but in the middle, so between the Old Testament and the New Testament, you have the Maccabean Rebellion. You have uh, Antiochus Epiphanes coming in, slaughtering a pig on the altar of God. Uh, you have all this chaos that is breaking out. Then you have Jesus' crucifixion, which this is kind of paradoxical because it was God's order and yet the most chaotic moment in history when God turned away from God. Darkness, thunder, the temple veil being rent, chaos. Then we have the early church struggles, right? All right, yeah, things are going to be good now. Oh, wait, you mean heresy already crept into the church and we're like not even a generation into this thing? Man, chaos is just persistent. Then you have AD 70, the fall of Jerusalem, right? Chaos, the, the utter destruction. Can you imagine? Yes, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> I didn't know, moo, or I don't know. <laughs> um, you have utter destruction. Imagine this. This is, all you've ever known is the temple system. And this, this is the access point to God, in your opinion. And the Roman siege was so bad that it was written that there were Roman soldiers that were ransacking the city and they smelled something. And they walked into a room and there was a mother roasting her own child and offering them to eat it. And they were sickened. That's chaos. Then you have the persecution of the church. And then nowadays, you know, we could go on and on and on and trace chaos, but through the Bible we see from, literally from Genesis, all the way to Revelation, chaos is everywhere. And it seems 
like a seven-headed monster, like a hydra, that we can't, you chop off one head, and what, how many more come out? Another two or seven or something like that? I don't know. Weird Greek stuff happening over there. But yeah, you chop off one head, and you think, aha, I've made headway against chaos, and then all of a sudden, China's got balloons, and there's other things that are happening, and it's just, you know, earthquakes in Turkey, and just chaos everywhere. So here's, this is really, this is like the crux, right? We need to get this next point. I want us to understand that there are kind of two, we're looking at two types of chaos, right? Uh, aside from the good chaos that God made, that's, that's kind of like, that's outside of the bounds of what we're talking about. We have two kinds of chaos. And the first one that I want to say, and I don't think I have this in your notes. Yeah, I have it written as like a note for me to make a note about, but I forgot to put it in your notes. So if you want to write these down, the first one that I want to call is uh, what we would call a sinful chaos, right? This is, this is man actively creating chaos. This is chaos that directly comes as sin, consequences of sin. This would be like a man going out and murdering another man. It's evil, it's sinful, it's wicked, it's chaotic because it was purposeful or it was intended. But then what we would, we have also what I would want to call natural chaos, right? This is earthquakes happening in Turkey or uh, this same man that was murdered, rather he died in a car accident that, you know, there's no drunk driver, just a, uh, honestly a freak accident, right? That's natural chaos. And so we have both of these, both are really a result of sin, but one we kind of deem as natural. It wasn't like it was intended by somebody to create chaos, but it's still there. It still hurts. It's still hard to deal with. And God has really given us a command, we are to go out and bring order to these two types of chaos, though it seems impossible. And so now we get into the definition, first of all, of chaos. The first way that I would, you know, if we were to define sinful chaos, it would be with this first part, rebellion against God's order. That is sinful chaos. Everything, all these principles of order that we had, right? It requires unity. It, it requires separation. Order requires beauty. All of these things that we listed in lesson two, chaos is the act of rebellion against that order. But then natural chaos could just simply be defined as whatever brings harm and confusion. There's a lot of both in this world. And so then we have the definition, right, of order. And that would, obviously, that's that which matches God's design. And then whatever brings direction and benefit. So we'll get more into this later. But for instance, let me just give you kind of a quick example, right? Um, bringing order, that which matches God's design, we bring that into sinful chaos and that's where we come and we live out the Bible and we say no this is how things are supposed to be let me give you the gospel that is that which matches God's design but it's the other kind of order the thing that brings direction and benefit this is something that we can take into natural chaos so for instance you have a hurricane somewhere down in, in Louisiana and you have Christian aid groups that go down there and everybody is in, in, in confusion, everybody is kind of harmed, right? And they bring in something that brings direction and benefit. They're coming and bringing meals, and they're bringing first aid, and they're bringing order, right? Uh, you know, police, right? They would be bringing uh, this kind of order into uh, like a naturally chaotic realm. We're called to do both. And so again, and it all goes back, there's no divide between sacred and secular. There's no divide where it says, well, all I did was put a Band-Aid on a six-year-old kid. No, that's bringing order. It's just bringing the kind of order that brings direction and benefit, right? Helping. You know, that's half the battle in Chuk, to be honest with you. I can't tell you how many kids I've patched up at my house. And, you know, not every time, maybe, maybe this sounds terrible, but... 
I don't preach the gospel to them every time because they're always around me and they're always coming to get uh, to get boo-boos patched more than boo-boos. You wouldn't believe some of the stuff that I've done for some of these kids. But um, that that's order. That is serving God by bringing comfort and direction into a painful situation. So we have the definition, right? So far, any questions, any observations about anything that we have talked about? Origin of chaos, or the tracing it through scripture, or the definition, anything. All right. Let's continue. Number four, then, we have the principles of chaos, right? So we got principles of order. We got principles of the sinful chaos, right? Natural chaos, we kind of just say that's uncontrollable. Sinful chaos. What are these principles? Well, again, we go back. It requires doubt. And I know it's an overlap, but it's an important overlap. They doubted God's goodness. They doubt, of, uh, excuse me, the doubt of God's word. And obviously, we've talked, you know, you, we hear this all the time. Yea, hath God said. How does chaos begin? Well, I don't think God gave me the best thing in the world. And also, I don't really believe what he said. And the root of chaos nowadays is that same exact thing. I know better than God. There's something better out there for me. Why would I believe some funny bearded man in the sky that wrote a magical book? I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Exactly. And that's, and, and that's exactly. That's overlapping uh, what we were talking about a bit ago. Rebellion started with Satan in heaven. He brought it to earth, and then he infected us with it. By our choice, obviously, but you're exactly right. And then the deception of subtlety, right? The serpent was the most subtle beast of the field. Chaos, then, number uh, letter B, requires deception and twisting. We see this in verses 2 through 5. Not only is he making her doubt what the word is, but he, he's kind of starting to play with her mind, and then Eve begins to allow that to happen. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, God said that we can't even touch it, right? That's not what God said. So this, I honestly believe we can look at this and say, look, the, the twisting of legalism adds to chaos. Eve said, oh, yeah, we can't do this. Let's look. Um, where did she say it there? Verse 3, but the, the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. Eve's adding, and sometimes that helps us feel good. So how does this play into chaos? Well, look, look at a lot of religion. Man, keep these things, do this stuff, right? Even in America, right? Even in America, did you know that from 1789 until now, America has put 30,000 laws in the books? This legalistic, you know, uh, every little thing has to have a law to it. It creates more chaos. You look at a lot of religion, you look at cults, right? You can't do anything. You have to think only this way, and you have to do, 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 and it creates chaos because they're adding and adding and adding to how they can be right with God, but that's not it. And so we have the twisting of legalism, right? This, this deception, this twisting, this adding to the Word of God. That is one cause for chaos. Then we also have the deception of half-truths. You're not going to die. Well, it was kind of true. They didn't die that day. And so we have this twisting of half-truths, these half-baked lies that float around, right? There's no long-term side effects to puberty blockers. Well, we don't know that because you've only been doing it for a year and a half, you know? Oh, you know, uh, if you have the vaccine, that's fine. I'm just saying it became a big thing. And there's even now, Pfizer's coming out and there's been a ton, right? All of these things, 
these half twisting of no, no, it can't hurt you. Well, maybe not, but how do we know in this twisting? How about half truths that are just they're just half baked, you know? They float everywhere and they cause chaos. They sound good. They're just enough truth to make it look right, but it's not. So let me add that chaos then also requires an abandonment of purpose. They abandoned their purpose of dominion, right? Why? The snake dominated them. You look around at, at all of these... Um, I love the environment. I really do. Like, we're called to take care of it. But you look at how the environment now has dominated many people's thinking. We can't do X, Y, and Z because of the environment. And it, the environment now dominates us. You look at, I love animals, right? I love animals. But you look at how animal rights dominate so many different things. Yes, should we take care of them? Yes, should we be humane? Of course we should. But they don't come above people, right? And so, yes, indeed, indeed. You look, um, we we take and we allow um, this twisting, right? Half truth with that. You have the twisting of uh, legalism. You know, well, if I can put it in law and make it look good, right? So we've abandoned dominion. We've abandoned uh, chaos. Requires the abandonment of. Uh, purpose and leadership. Adam was not far away picking oranges and smelling daffodils when the snake was tempting Eve. She plucked it, ate it, and did what? Turned to Adam and gave it to him. If you want chaos, then abandon your role. Just forget it. Chaos will abound. What is another principle of chaos? Chaos then brings shame. Verses 7 through 10. We know the story well, right? Their eyes were open. They knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together. Adam, where are you? Oh, I was hiding because I was naked. Well, who told you you were naked? Can you imagine? You know, I don't know. Like, maybe I used to read it. Not maybe. I probably used to put my own thought of God in there where, you know, maybe God was like, well, who told you you were naked? Can you imagine the hurt of God? I mean, these were his creation. This was the pinnacle. He was not, it was not very good until Adam and Eve were there. And then he delighted in it. God is the God that created laughter. God is the God that created joy. All of those emotions are in him 100% all of the time. And then they fell and he said, but who? Told you you were naked. It brings shame before fellow man. Even a husband and wife couldn't be naked in front of each other because they were ashamed of what they had done. And there was shame before God. Look, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that a lot of the chaos that ensues today is simply out of shame. Rather than wanting to turn back to God, I'm going to harden myself even more and I'm going to just, I, I, it would be too shameful to turn back. Chaos brings shame. And then obviously chaos brings discipline, both earthly discipline. They're cast out of the garden. There is cherubim placed with flaming swords. They were made to toil and work on the earth. There was uh, a discord that was then became between the man and the woman. It was difficult. And obviously there was eternal discipline. So this is kind of like, we have, I mean, really think about it. We have God coming from out of nowhere because there was nothing, creating order, mandating it, putting this garden temple in the middle of the world and saying, look, I'm giving you free reign, have fun, make babies, plant trees, do all this good stuff. It was going to be heaven on earth. Now, Another interesting thought, There's, if you really want to read into it, the second book of the Space Trilogy is called Paralandra, and it's, it's, it's um, basically a theor theoretical version of what would have happened if there was no fall. And on this other planet, there's 
Satan goes there to tempt this new creation, but they don't fall, and it's amazing. I mean, C.S. Lewis, like, his knowledge of the Bible and his imagination are just amazing. And so, you look at what could have been, and then what now is, and it's kind of depressing, isn't it? I mean, well, I mean, I could go out and name all the things that are ailing us today, let alone pain, physical pain, let alone emotional pain or children that are dealing with things or all of this, you know, uh, police officers that see stuff that are, are heartbreaking, missionaries that have seen things that I can't even begin to describe to you. Like, chaos abounds, and it's not anything that we don't know, but now we have a definition of it. Now we have a look at it. Chaos from not day one, but from Genesis 3 onward, has broken God's heart every moment. But this is really the amazing thing. We have just a few minutes left, and that's, that's good because we're there. In all of the brokenness, all of the shame, all of the sadness, God still desires to snatch victory out of chaos. And so we have the very fact that God's glory comes through order. Look at all of the things that we mentioned in point number uh, point number three, and now we just revisit them. Look, look at Cain and Abel. Chaos abounded, and then God brought Seth. Seth was the good line. Seth was the one that, that righteousness would come through. And we look at Lamech, right? Lamech gets away with it until a few hundred years later when his entire family and line dies out. We look at the sons and daughters of men, and the flood comes and cleanses the land. God uses good chaos to wipe out the bad. And then after that, we see that Babel, right? God brings chaos, but he brings order to languages. I mean, language is an amazing thing, isn't it? And God uses the chaos of rebellion and eventual judgment, and he brings order through beautiful languages that will all one day sing praises to him. Pretty amazing. Look at Abraham, Hagar, Sarai, and Ishmael. Hagar was a hurt, abused woman. God came to her in the wilderness and said, I see you. And he brought order to her chaos, and he said, don't worry, out of Ishmael I will also make a great nation. You know, they weren't the bad guys. You know, we look at it now and we say, way to go, Abraham. Created the whole Arab state, and now all these bad things are happening. But God cared, and still does, about Ishmael and his line. Then we look at the wanderings. They weren't supposed to wander for 40 years. And yet in the middle of that, their shoes did not wear out. They had bread to eat or manna to eat every day until they ate enough quail that they were vomiting up because of their sin. And then they said, never mind, I'm so sorry. And they went back. And God brought them into the promised land out of chaos. He brings them into the promised land. And we have the golden age of David and Solomon. Yeah, it was the best it got and it was kind of sad, but God also did some amazing things and said, David, out of all of your chaos, I will bring the Messiah. And then we have the division in the kings, right? And yet, over and over and over and over, he sends revival. Oops, um, I missed the judges. But God, God would allow a judge to come, and he would fix the chaos. Not because God was angry, but because God loved his people and wanted order for them. And then we see the division of the kings, right? He brings all of the uh, revival over and over. And then we see the captivity. He prepares the way for Christ. I mean, even in their captivity, in their release, then the inner the intertestamental period, Greece comes in and kind of does a lot of bad things. And then Rome comes in and they're oppressed again. And in the days of Caesar Augustus, all the world was taxed. Mary and his espouse, or Joseph and his espouse wife, Mary, had to go to Bethlehem. And what do you know? The Savior was born. So this is where it ends then. We go back to Genesis 3, 15. 
God promises, this is what's amazing to me. God promises to once and for all defeat the chaos by using chaos against itself. You, serpent, will be in a chaotic battle with a serpent crusher, and he will do the difficult, messy work of stomping your head, bruising his heel, and yet victory is his. Chaos comes to an end by God turning it on his head. We see this, Christ's victory is sure. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, kind of that crescendo, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, but we have Christ. And we know that chaos's demise is inevitable. Why? Because all power all authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth. And so we look at, we trace chaos. And you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what if. I mean, other than maybe C.S. Lewis's imagination, I don't know what if. And I'm, it would have been great if nobody ever fell. So I'm not rejoicing in the fall. But what I am rejoicing is that God can take that chaos and out of it, out of all the pain, Josh, out of the pain of a young one dying, God can take all of that and in the end turn it on its head and say, look how glorious I am, how much I love you, and guess what? He used you to do it. That is chaos defeated. We can trace it, but we can trace it right to its end, even though it doesn't feel like it's done yet. So go out. Pray for the defeat of chaos. Be a part of it. Keep coming back and find out how we can do more. I'm sorry I kept you four and a half minutes late. I apologize. But thank you for being here tonight. Any questions, comments before we turn out for the evening? Amen. Father, bless these people in your name. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.